Wah, 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 wah. What's up, revelers and weirdos? <laughs> no. No? Keep going, okay. go on. <laughs> You've done it now. <laughs> I'm James. And I'm Sam. And this is Scaring Sam. And yes, we are still trapped in the 80s. Much to Sam's... I don't know. Demise. Demise. That's death. Oh. Discomfort. Annoyance. Questioning her life choices. Yes. Yes. But this week, we're stepping up a bit. After all these trashy 80s slasher films, we are finally covering one of the classics. Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, so 1984 was another great year for cinema. We have things like Gremlins, one of my favourites. Oh, never-ending story, also another one of my favourites. Footloose, who doesn't like that? Purple Rain, Sixteen Candles, The Karate Kid, my goodness, come on. Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, come on, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, The Terminator, seriously. <laughs> Friday the 13th, the final chapter, I might add. Police Academy, Star Trek 3, and, of course, our feature today, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Could you imagine, back in the day, heading to the cinema in 84, especially in the summer during blockbuster season? I would get rock hard with excitement. I would get movie wood. <laughs> Right, okay. Um, I mean, I do kind of want to go back in time. Can the cinemas actually just put all of these out on the big screen? That'd be great. I mean, a Prince Charles cinema does, but that requires going to London and spending out more than we would <laughs> going to see contemporary films. But can we look back now and go, in our lifetime, because neither of us was born in 84. Nope. And go, oh, yeah, so-and-so was a great year for cinema. Mm. Not really. No. Not to that extent. I mean, who doesn't watch Ghostbusters or The NeverEnding Story or Footloose? You name it. <laughs> We're still watching these films. But can we go, oh, Transformers Freeze On. Let's sit down and watch that. No, not really. <laughs> so, okay, Sam, A Nightmare on Elm Street... A classic, I might add, mm. not to sway your opinion, but what did you think as a first-time viewer? Okay, first of all, I just want to add that I really hate heavy breathers. <laughs> and he does this the entire way through. Whenever he is on screen or about to come on screen, it's just a... Oh, stop it. Okay, so it started off like that and I was already irritated. I'm not sold on this one. I'm really sorry. I know, yourself included, and a lot of other classic horror fans are going to disagree with me. But I wouldn't rewatch it. <laughs> I feel like I'm like sitting on the edge, about to be pushed off. <laughs> sitting on a landmine right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, some horror films we've watched, I would watch again. 
this film I know is a classic and it's got a 94% tomato meter and the audience score is 84%. So it must have something going for it that I'm just not into. The visuals though, for the time, absolutely fantastic, but they just don't scare me. The question is though, are all horror films actually meant to scare you in some way? No, not in my opinion. And it depends who you are, your background, whatever your triggers are. Some people will probably get scared watching this. Maybe not now, but maybe back in the day. I mean, Jason in Friday the 13th used to be terrifying. Mm. And that's tame as hell now. <laughs> Evil Dead, the original, got banned in the UK for years. And you've seen it in the cinema. We watched it on Halloween one time. Yeah, and some of it was a little bit funny. <laughs> yeah, especially the claymation stuff. But that scared the crap out of people. They felt violated watching it. Yeah, so if if we rewound time and obviously went to see it in the cinema, I would probably be a bit scared because the visuals are quite gory for their time. And like there's one point where he cuts open like his shoulder or something and all all this stuff is just like oozing out and the maggots are falling out and if if that was done now, obviously it would have been upped in its visuals and that would have been absolutely disgusting, wouldn't it? And I, I was slightly disgusted, but not enough. But I think what I see as a horror film is something that should be scaring me. And maybe that's why I didn't particularly enjoy it, because I was kind of waiting for that thing to make me jump or make me hide behind my hands. I just didn't get that from this film. As a side note, we, this week, watched Freaky and you turned away a couple of times because yes, of the gore. I did. It was, it was really disgusting. But you weren't scared watching the film, but you got a reaction yeah. seeing the gore. So there are some films in the horror genre which aren't there to scare you, but they are there to feel violated watching it. You're disgusted with what you're watching. It's okay. like a snuff film. You just feel absolutely grimy watching it yeah you feel like you shouldn't be watching such a thing so that's the reaction and some horror films are like that okay for an 80s audience maybe because of what you've seen before something like a nightmare on elm street the evil dead friday the 13th you've never experienced something like that before mm. take the exorcist came out in what 73 unheard of unseen such things on film before a film that focuses on the catholic church about religion that was a no-no in the 70s <laughs> and then having a child an innocent possessed by a demon saying all those vile explicit things and all that grotesque body horror and all the projectile vomit no one saw that before mm. but i don't think you would react to it i think you probably would be bored watching it because, I mean, we watch TV shows and that. We watch Mortal Kombat. It's not a horror. And that's pure gore. Mm. See, I can... Oh, it's, I don't know. It's weird because I think I've said this to you before as well, that I can deal with gore in an action film. But as soon as there's some kind of, I don't know, in, in a horror setting, no, I don't like it. can't deal with it. But is that because you're just expected to be 
taken out of your comfort zone because it's a Do horror you? film. You're expecting more. So, yeah, expecting more something to happen. Maybe. Well, like all good horrors, this does have a foot in reality. The premise of the film was inspired by several newspaper articles printed in the 70s about Hmong refugees in the US who, after fleeing war and genocide in their native countries, began to suffer disturbing nightmares and refused to sleep. And some of the men died in their sleep. Oh. The condition affected men between the age of 19 and 57. It was likely sudden, unexplained death syndrome or Brugada syndrome, or both. Please don't ask me what the symptoms are. I didn't do the research. (laughs) I guess death is one of the symptoms. So this was one of Wes Craven's inspirations for the film. Not just a novel way to kill horny teens in a slasher film. So kind of weird to take this odd event in history and then turn it into this. I don't know. They've got to get ideas and inspiration somewhere, haven't they? Okay, so what was your thoughts on Freddy Krueger? Or Fred Krueger, as he's referred to in this first film. Mm. Um, well, I mean, everyone knows him. <laughs> I haven't seen this before and I kind of knew about him anyway. Um, although I kind of compared him, when you asked about um, it before, I compared him to Edward Scissorhands. (laughs) Because Johnny Depp was in this as well. Yes. (laughs) Um, Oh, I like Johnny Depp being in it. He's very very handsome. Well, when it comes to Freddy Krueger, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the character, despite having terrible fashion sense. Kruger is a horror icon. Despite dressing like a cracked-out hobo, Kruger is instantly recognisable in the zeitgeist. I mean, he was in Ready Player One, like Chucky and a lot of other references to pop culture. Mm. But once you look past the comedic shtick, of course, he doesn't really have that in this film, but as the character progressed through the franchise, you sometimes forget he started off as a child murderer. Yeah. I mean, what did Nancy's mum say? A filthy child murderer who killed 20 kids. Mm-hmm. I feel this information would be common knowledge in Elm Street or the entire town, but it should be more than just an urban legend. I mean, even if they did research in the local library and looked in the archives, they surely there would have been a massive coverage of a child murderer who killed over 20 kids in this town, and clearly it's a small town. He'd be a cautionary tale, wouldn't he? Yeah. And yet, they don't know who he is. But it's a film. <laughs> Maybe I'm looking into it too much, but it's always annoyed me with the character. Hmm. Originally, Kruger was meant to be characterised as a child molester, but Craven didn't want to be accused of capitalising on a number of highly publicised child molestation cases that happened in California around the time of production. So... Kruger became a child murderer instead because that's so much better. But I'm sorry, still murdering children? You're still a chomo in my eyes. You're the lowest of the low. 
because that's who he was in life. His crimes must have been so monstrous it forced the parents on Elm Street to band together to burn him alive. So you can't deny that Freddy Krueger in the first nightmare is a grotesque, seedy creep. He makes your skin crawl with how perverted he stalks and kills these teenagers from the shadows. You say that, but there is one little bit that kind of made me laugh, where he's kind of... um. He's doing like a really wide run. <laughs> he runs like a chomo as well. <laughs> That's like a pervert run. Oh. And he has these very overtly sexual moments where his gloved hand rises up between Nancy's legs in the bath. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't actually, I didn't like that because you just imagine having a bath. You've got all these bubbles. You can't see anything. You've thrown the bath bomb in, you're having a relaxing time, you've got meditation music on, and then a hand pops up between your legs. Again, it's like a violation, isn't it? Mm. And then there's that part where he calls Nancy, and we assume she's not dreaming at the time, and then the bottom of the telephone is his tongue as he's trying to stick it in Nancy's mouth oh no I didn't like that either so even though he's (laughs) meant to be just a child murderer now there's still these subtext where he's clearly Mm. a child molester and I guess the rest of the teenagers that get killed in this supposed to be 15 they're supposed to be 15 yeah they don't look 15 no they don't act 15 and he's acting in this creepy pervy way So, yeah, there's clearly allusions to him being a chomo from the offset. But after Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy began to get goofy. What do you mean? Well, his kills got more cartoonish and comical. And and after he blurts out these on-the-nose one-liners as if he was that psycho James Bond. I mean, who the hell cracks one-liners after killing someone? A psychopath. James Bond's a psycho, seriously. Right. He's just in the employment of the government. I'm just saying. But a Redditor theorised an in-universe explanation for this was down to Freddy discovering he couldn't die at the end of the first film. So, to get this, starve off boredom, he began to cook up more comical kills as he racked up the body count. Yeah. Take the car at the end that resembles Freddy's jumper. Yep. It's the first time we've witnessed him clown around. Before he... Mm quote-unquote, dies, he only resorts to scare tactics and slashing his victims with his glove. That was his go-to MO. But this is just a fan theory, obviously. The truth is, after the beginning of The Dream Master, which is the fourth film, the audience no longer has any recurring characters to root for. Nancy sacrifices herself in Nightmare 3. Spoilers. She's not even in the second one. Oh. And she passes the torch to Kristen and the other remaining Dream Warriors, where they are swiftly dispatched in the first act of the Dream Master. One of the rare occurrences where the black guy does die first in a horror movie. And the only other one that I can think of that comes to mind is Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, who dies at the start of Scream 2. So not that much of a cliche. We haven't come across it yet in all these trashy Mm. 80s films. So, who's left? Freddy Krueger. He's the only character the audience recognises now, so the focus of the franchise falls to him and his zany one-liners and imaginative kills, while teenagers have been reduced to cannon fodder. 
the main motivation of this is, of course, money. Welcome to capitalism, motherfuckers. By this point, Freddy Krueger merchandise was everywhere. Freddy's bubblegum, comics. Children could even wear a Freddy Krueger fancy dress costume for Halloween. Kids literally went round the streets, trick-or-treating, dressed as a former child killer. The absurdity reached its peak in 1988 with the release of Freddy's Greatest Hits by the Elm Street Group. A whole album which mixes covers and original songs, played by musicians and sung by Robert England as Freddy Krueger. What? Insane, I know. What? Yeah. Apparently it's quite hard to come by now, it's quite a rarity. The character had become a parody of himself, which fans seem to love, but I prefer how he's represented in this first movie. He's truly a monster here. And I just needed to get that off my chest. Thank you for explaining all of that. (laughs) And now I'm going to do even more mansplaining. Oh, great. Well, I'm going to think you're going to find this interesting because I want to talk about two of the most notable kills in this film, Tina's and Glenn's. Okay. Do you need reminding what those murders were? Well... Tina, she kind of, well, it kind of looked like she was possessed because she's, like, being lifted up off her bed, isn't she? She gets some four slash marks on, um, like, her belly or chest or something and then she's just bleeding out everywhere and kind of being pushed against the ceiling and everything and... Then hits the bed and just blood everywhere. Yeah. And Glenn is kind of... The opposite, he kind of gets sucked into his bed with his TV and his record player. (laughs) Um, And then the bed vomits up the blood. And then that goes everywhere. Yep. Did I get that right? Yes. I think I explained that, okay. Who else died? It's Rod. He died in his prison cell. He got hung. Yes, and in the same way as um, Epstein... Apparently how he allegedly killed himself. Yeah, he, Epstein didn't kill himself, okay, people? It's just, yeah. Okay. I'm oh, sorry, Sam, I was getting um, topical. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, because either. the world's already moved on. But clearly he was offed. And basically he hung himself, okay, allegedly. He had this lot of information mm-hmm. of very powerful people in the world. And then apparently the security cameras just weren't working that time. Of course. And he was on constant suicide watch, but for that short period of time, the guard was... It wasn't was... constant. Yes, the... <laughs> it wasn't constant oh, at that time. I've got to go and take a break while there's no one else here. Not suspicious at all, although I'm starting to think maybe Freddy Krueger killed off Epstein just like he killed off Rod. Anyway, back on topic. How they accomplished both these deaths is this thing they call a rotating room. Created by mechanical special effects designer Jim Doyle, who also was Freddy Krueger's gloved hand in the bath with Nancy. Oh, okay. Please explain, (laughs) because I have no idea. Okay, okay. The revolving room was based on something which had been seen in the musical Royal Wedding with Fred Astaire, Mm -hmm. where he did a dance number where he dances up the sides of a wall and across the ceiling. 
I don't know if that's a famous musical number. I'm not into musicals. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it, but... Comes to mind. I'm just thinking of Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling because they did the same thing in the music oh, video. No, I don't even see it. I don't think I've even seen a clip of it, to be honest. And I feel a little bit ashamed. I think I should have done. It was in the 50s. I mean, you watched any musicals before The Sound of Music? When was that? The 60s? Yes. That's where the inspiration come from. They use a similar technique. Everything in the bedroom, all the items are nailed down and the cameraman is strapped into a airplane seat attached to the wall. And the room itself was not mechanical. It took several crew members on either side of the contraption to manually flip the room around. What? Are you kidding me? I think they did something similar in, a, in Inception with... Um, Oh, what's his name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Well, no, and he starts fighting that guy and the room starts moving about. Mm. Similar thing. It's basically, it's, there's a room, there's a thing around it and people are moving it around, giving this vertical-inducing sensation, especially for the actors, because mm. they lose all concept of gravity. And when it came to Glenn's death, they went back to this rotating room they essentially hollowed out this chute in the middle of the bed for the blood to pour through, mm. which I think was essentially just red-coloured water. And the crew members were positioned, and at this point, obviously, down is up, up is down. Mm. The bed is on the ceiling at the moment. On the word go, and they had gallons, gallons of blood-coloured water. And so Wes Craven is strapped in, says go, and they began to dump this water in this room. And of course, there's only one take. Because once everything's covered in red blood water, it's not coming out. And as soon as it hit the ceiling, the light immediately electrified the water. Oh dear. So the guy pouring the water got electrocuted. <gasps> Did he survive? Yeah, yeah. The water began to slosh around from side to side... Keeping in mind that this rotating room is being moved around manually by crew members. Yeah. Because of the sheer weight of the gallons of water, they began to lose control. The room began to roll all the way over and crew members had to leap out of the way as cables and ropes ripped out of their riggings. Oh. All this water went into the lights and there was this huge flash and then the room went dark with all these sparks going on everywhere. Mm. Blood poured out onto the operators, desperately trying to regain control of the room, and then the room finally stopped rocking after all the liquid had poured out. By this point, there's crew still attached to the structure, which was suspended upside down for around 20 minutes in the dark, and they were covered in this fake blood. You watch the film again, obviously you're not going to. You can actually mm. see this, because obviously... They could only do one take. Mm. And you can see at the end of it, just all the water pouring to one side of the room. I mean, it looks great, but there could have been some serious consequences of the stunt going wrong. Mm. But that's the price you pay for working with gravity. But, you know, they got the shot and that's all that matters. Here's another issue I have with this film. How did Nancy have the time to lay all of those traps, reconcile with her mum and then confront Freddy Krueger in her dream in the space of half an hour after calling her dad? He's investigating Glenn's death. Yeah. 
she calls saying, oh, dad, come over in half an hour, at half 12, and I'm going to have Freddie captured. And then there's this massive montage of her laying home alone traps everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous, actually. Then she does reconcile with her mum. Basically, Nancy's mum's whole character revolves around her drinking. That's that's her mm-hmm. character. That's it. And then she goes into her dream and somehow pulls Freddie out of it. But does she? Is it still all dream? It gets a bit confusing in the end. A bit. Yeah, a bit. A bit. Just a bit confusing. Did Freddie kill her mum? Because then she's at the end. And then her mum gets dragged hilariously through the, <laughs> the door window. Yep. I mean, did the production budget just dry up by that point? Because it's clearly a dummy being pulled through oh, the window. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course it is. So, yeah, not in Elm Street. I think we can say the real villains in this are negligent parents because they clearly know what happened to Freddy Krueger and they could have protected <laughs> their children. Yep. Why did they keep saying, just go to sleep? Clearly, children are dying in their sleep, but... Mm-hmm. You want me to intentionally put myself in danger? I mean, Nancy's mum somehow still has Freddy's glove in the um, incinerator. Yeah. And furnace thing, yeah. Freddy's been dead for, well, at least a decade, I suppose. There were a few, like, random bits that I just want to just, just note on. What is all this random fog everywhere? <laughs> what are you called? Dry ice, Sam. It's um, there to induce atmosphere. Right, okay. Because we have that just in reality, don't we? Or do we have it in dreams? Because the 80s, when know, they had... My dreams that I remember don't seem to be very foggy. Well, <laughs> I think in the 80s, they used to have a lot of dream sequences with dried ice. Oh, I like that um, she just whips out at some point this extra coffee machine underneath her bed when her mum takes one pot of coffee away she's got another one under there everything's fine and the fact that every house must have these stay awake pills are they literally called stay awake i'm sure that's what they were called stay awakes because story story has to happen yes and a really silly line from nancy whatever you do don't fall asleep no shit and is it at this point where she says to Glenn she's been awake for seven days now? Yeah. I mean, I slept last night and I want to nap right now. It's really hot outside, so we haven't gone out and we're just sitting in a really hot, stuffy room and it's just making me want to nap. Oh, I couldn't stay awake after seven days. Could you? No, I'd be just like, take me now, Freddy. I'd be like, let me just have a nap. <laughs> How long does it take to get into REM? And I know you were just t- talking about this when she's saying that she's going to drag him back and her dad's going to get him. Um, she sets her timer for 10 minutes. After rigging all the traps and reconciling with her mum, yeah. she's got 10 minutes to go to sleep. Yeah. 10 minutes to get to sleep and to get into REM. What is REM? We should have done research. Isn't REM when you're waking up from sleep? I thought that's what it was. Because isn't that where the most of dreaming comes from? As you're waking from deep sleep? Because you don't have dreams in deep sleep. 
Apparently, there are three phases of non-REM sleep. So each, each stage can last from 5 to 15 minutes. You go through all of those before you go to REM. So stage one being your eyes are closed, but it's easy for you to wake up. 5 to 10 minutes. Stage two, you're in light sleep. Your heart rate's slowing, your body temperature drops. Body's getting ready for deep sleep. This can go between 10 and 25 minutes. Okay. So her 10 minutes, no, it's not realistic. <laughs> stage three, deep sleep. Harder to rouse people during this stage. And if someone woke you up, you would feel disorientated for a few minutes. Deep sleep is, is the good the good bit of sleep. That's the bit where it's healing our body and stuff and building muscles. And... Oh, there's an annoying thing at the bottom here saying, as you get older. <laughs> we don't want to hear about that, do we? We're not getting older. No. We moisturise. I'm 27. I'm 25. Hey, why are you younger? I moisturise. <laughs> um... Usually REM sleeps happen 90 minutes after you fall asleep. Oh, what's their excuse, though? Oh, she's been awake for seven days. She's instantly going into REM. Yeah. After 10 minutes. First period of REM typically lasts 10 minutes. Each of your later REM stages get longer, and the final one may last up to an hour. Well, there you go, then. Science. Ba-da! Sorry, film. You've been debunked. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so that was fr- that was I say Friday the fave. Nope, not that one. <laughs> that was a nightmare on Elm Street. Nineteen eighty four. Yes, not the remake. Yep. What I'd be interested to see what you think of that. Hmm. See if your opinion differs from everybody else's with that film. I see. Yes, I guess we could see that. Although it might. If that one's terrible, then I might prefer this one. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it'll make you appreciate this one. Maybe. Or you betray the whole horror community by preferring the remake, which is a big no-no, Sam. Remember that this is called Scaring Sam. Sam, the one that doesn't like horror films. <laughs> and I pointed this out to you the other day that I don't actually enjoy watching these. And you made me watch two horror films, although I did pick one before that. You picked The Quiet Place too. Yeah. That is the first film. The second one was freaky. We haven't seen any other horror films. Yes, we have. No. Yes. It was A Quiet Place 2, Black Widow, and now Freaky. And then we watched Nightmare on Elm Street. I think that was my point. We watched two horror films this weekend... We went to see Freaky in the cinema. There was lots of gore. I was hiding behind my hands. And then we watched this. And, yeah. What was my point again? That you don't like horror films? Yeah. Apart from some. There are some that I would watch again. And that, I think, we should cover at some point down the line. My ones that I would re-watch. We could summarise okay. what we've watched. Yeah, we'll summarise. We'll summarise. Everybody loves a cliche. Everybody. Okay, so, and I'm on Elm Street. Actually quite light on cliches. I mean, anything is quite light on cliches after Slumber Party Massacre 2. Mm-hmm. So we have... Entering the Dark Basement. Yes. In this case, it is the 
What is that place? Boiler room. Thank you. No, they go from the basement into the boiler room. Freddy's domain is the boiler room. Yeah, but the house has a basement. Okay, fine, yes. <laughs> but they're not investigating the dark basement. It's their access to the boiler room where they're investigating. Or they're being stalked by Freddy. Mm-hmm. Ignoring the elders' warning, I mean, technically the parents... No. They tell them not to do stuff, but they don't warn them because they're intentionally deflecting the fact that they killed a child murderer. And they're also saying, go to sleep. Who's the final girl? Nancy. Of course, one of the legendary final girls. She's up there with Laurie Strobe. Uh, no, I think Laurie is much better. It's very difficult to surpass Laurie, but some would argue that Nancy is a close second. Hmm. The Invincible Killer. Well, yeah, he's a dream demon. Uh, slut, jock, nerd, virgin. Basically, there's four characters in this and they pretty much cover that. Yeah. Tina, because she had sex with Rod. Rod is the jock. Nerd, Glenn, and virgin, by extension, is Nancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the police arrive too late. Well, yeah, they're across the road and... And she's smashing windows saying... Help me! The house is clearly on fire at this point, and the incompetent police officer is like, um, maybe I should get my superior. Yeah. Maybe I should go and get her dad now. So, yes. Sex is a death sentence. Well, yeah, because Tina died shortly thereafter. Investigating in the dark. Yeah. And, yeah, that's it. So, not that many cliches. So, that was... Today's episode, I'm on Elm Street. Another classic covered, another classic Sam is not impressed by. Sorry. But she's going to have a nap now. Hopefully she wakes up. And With ice cream waiting for me? No, you can keep your ice cream in your dream. Oh. We had ice cream already this week and we had cake. Yeah, but this is a new day. Yes, but our bodies don't I agree. I did a run. I did a run. I was right next to you. <laughs> But we had ice cream and cake, and ice cream and cake don't equal wedding bodies. I know we keep going on about it, but we need wedding bodies. We need to look good. We're vain. We're kind of narcissistic. We want to look good in our photos so we can look back and go, hey, remember when we were thin? Oh, wait a minute. I'm still thin. Yeah, I'd like to keep that body. Hmm. In our dreams. But also enjoy my food. We are going slightly up. Off topic. No, because it's all in our dreams, if you believe in stuff. In our dreams, where Freddy dwells. So, yeah, Sam's going to have a break next time where I will be discussing Vicious Kills. A love letter to these trashy horror films from the 80s where, thankfully, we're going to have a break after this season. A break from the trash. Get right back into the Good, good scares. I'm kind of looking forward to it, and kind of not. Well, based on your reactions to the first instalment in that season, no, you're not looking forward to it, are you, No, no, no. So that was Scaring Sam. I'm Sam. And I'm James. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ScaringSamPod. And you can contact us at ScaringSamPod at gmail.com. Stay Stay safe safe out there. Night. Night. And sleep well.